welcome to the For The One podcast. Y'all, get hype. And I know I say that a lot, but today I mean it the most. Y'all, get hype because we have such a cool guest on our show today, Emmanuel Dominguez. Originally from New York, Manny is the youth pastor at the Hills Church in the North Richland Hills campus, where I actually grew up attending church. Manny is married to his wife of six years, Marlene, and they have two beautiful little boys. He was my youth pastor all throughout high school and has been a mentor of mine for many years. One talent he's gifted with is a spoken word, which is one of the many reasons I invited him on the show here today, so he could bless y'all with the wisdom of God. So, grab your favorite drink, favorite blanket, your bestie, and for this episode, you might want to grab your favorite pen and notepad too. Y'all, please welcome Emmanuel Dominguez. Hey, Manny. What's up, KK? Nothing much, just hanging out here with you. Yes, What's I up love you. Oh my gosh, I love that I get to be with you for a little bit. I miss your face, oh. um, but everything's going great here in Fort Worth. Sweet, well. sweet. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I'm so excited. Y'all, me and Manny, we haven't talked in like ages, so I'm very excited for this episode, just getting to like hear all your wisdom again. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, we do go way back. Like you and your fam, like, I love y'all so much. And I'm truly honored that you will have me on. So thank you. Yes, I'm honored that you can be here. So excited. <laughs> yeah. um, one thing that I, I kind of like to start with um, in little interview episodes like this is book recommendations because mm-hmm. I'm trying to read more. And mm-hmm. I always think it's cool. Like, what are other people reading? So do you have any like suggestions or what are you reading right now like what's your go-to oh my word yes so i'll give you both i'll give you suggestions that i've read and i'll let y'all in into what i'm reading right now so uh suggestion there's a book by i'm biased you know i'm from new york and there's a pastor in new york named rich Villodas, and he wrote a book called the deeply formed life and the subtitle is five transformative values to root us in the way of Jesus. And I'm telling you, KK, this book has absolutely changed my life as somebody that's from the city, the one that, you know, somebody that's always kind of in a rush and trying to be someone by way of effort. Uh, The Deeply Formed Life just really took me beyond the surface and into like, who am I really? And then whose am I really? And so really Mm -hmm. recommend The Deeply Formed Life. And then kind of in... In, uh, in agreement with that book, a book that I just finished by a guy named John Mark Homer, uh, his, his book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And again, I'm such a rushed person. I'm always trying to get to the next thing. I'm super ambitious. And those things aren't bad. But if you look at the scriptures, Jesus was never in a hurry. And so that book I really recommend to, to your generation, KK, but really to anybody. And so lastly... Uh, the book that I'm reading right now is actually a super short read that I picked up ahead of our men's conference at our church, but is a book called Sit, Walk, Stand, and the subtitle is The Process of Christian Maturity. So anyway, yeah. Wow. Those sound like really great books. Actually, when you were talking about the first one, I was thinking of The Illumination of Hurry. I was like, that sounds like The Illumination of Hurry. Because yes. I actually got that book for Christmas, and I'm like currently reading it right now. And it's really cool, like the content of such wise books being like, man, this is very transformative of how I like view life and live life, mm-hmm. which is so good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Love 
Okay, and so <laughs> I mentioned earlier in our intro that you were, you are, not were, you still are, um, after at the hills, you know, kids can be crazy. What is your wildest story or like oh weirdest, gosh. craziest story from being a youth pastor? Yes, <laughs> there's a lot. And I, you know, even now just sit, sitting with this question, I, it's hard for me to choose one, but I will choose one for the sake of this episode. So I remember when I just moved here, um, I, you know, for those that don't know, like grew up in New York City, never lived anywhere else. And when I was 21 years old when I moved here. So, you know, technically an adult, but like low key still a kid. And so I remember uh, Jason Herman, the guy that hired me, who was kind of like the senior youth pastor at the time. He takes me to like this 4th of July party because I moved to Texas July 1st of 2016. And so literally three days into being here, we go to this 4th of July party, which I'm like, okay, like, you know, using my framework from New York, it's going to be super chill, maybe a couple fireworks. Well, no, we went to like the middle of nowhere in Texas. I don't even know where I was, KK. And (laughs) we were like, I mean, there was like so much acres of land, you know, a couple hundred teenagers there. And when I tell you, we had to have used hashtag illegal fireworks. For this thing. <laughs> like it, Sounds accurate. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, yeah, my buddy Jason Herman, like, effectively burned his finger, who was, like, one of the youth <laughs> pastors. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, it, this was my introduction to youth ministry in Texas, and it was wild. Like, they were wanting me to do one called The Bomb, and because I'm like, I'm, a, I'm the new youth pastor, I gotta just go do it. Y'all, I did it. And they call it the bomb for a reason. I lit the fuse and kind of took a couple steps back. Well, I should have took several because that thing did this like, you know, instead of blowing up vertically, it was kind of shooting out horizontally. And it literally made me jump off my feet, landed on my butt. And (laughs) I might have I might have went number one on myself. Anyway, so that's a a wild story. I was just like, this is youth ministry for real. It It was wild. It was awesome. Oh my goodness. What a time. Fourth of July. That's actually my favorite holiday because I love just like fireworks and lakes and hot dogs and Dr. Pepper and all the fun things. Yeah, it's the cute stuff. Not the like almost die stuff. Almost die stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You said, welcome to Texas. (laughs) For real. For real. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's wild. And day Mm -hmm. three too. You're like, man, I'm in it now. (laughs) For real, KK. It was crazy. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. The um, <laughs> I was also telling um, a little bit more about you to my listeners in the beginning is that you have like such a gift for the spoken word and your Instagram handle is like at Emmanuel Speaks and you mm. occasionally post something with a very well thought, beautiful poetic caption. Mm. So I was just wondering, why did you choose your Instagram handle and what does the spoken word mean to you? Oh my word, such a great question. Such a great question. So, you know, I'll let your listeners in on, on this. Nobody really knows except my wife. Like I've been, my, my my handle used to be just like Manny Dominguez, like my my name, my like nickname that everybody calls me and then my last name. But then I wanted to start going by Emmanuel more, but then like Emmanuel Dominguez wasn't available. So I'm like, darn. And so it kind of took me down this path of if my full name isn't available, then yeah, like what's a verb, what's an action item, what's an adjective that describes me. So I kind of went, you know, through the 
the whole journey of all these like weird kind of words or things that were a little too aloof or lofty for me, but then things that didn't make sense. And so I was just thinking practically, what do I do for a living? Well, I speak for a living and then I pastor people obviously for a living. Okay. But I didn't want to put like pastor Emmanuel or something again, like too lofty like that. So landed at Emmanuel Speaks, but then here's the kicker, KK. Ever since I put that ca- that uh, handle as mine, I really feel like God has been inviting me into a deep season of listening. And so uh, just these last few days, I've been strongly considering changing it to Emmanuel Listens <laughs> because even though, I, <laughs> even though I speak for a living and like you said, I love uh, captions and inspiring people with like clear, concise words and word pictures. Yeah, I, I've been really invited to to listen because at the end of the day mm. the best speakers are the best listeners like if i could truly listen to you not to not to respond but to understand then i that'll enable me and empower me and even equip me to meet the moment with my words and speaking but but truly speaking is i think um pre like pre-existed by uh listening so yeah mm, that's really cool i've never thought about it like that because like when you listen you learn and mm-hmm. when you learn, you can then, like, know and speak on that. That's mm-hmm. really wise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So just for you and your listeners, here's, here's like, a little thing that I'm working on. And what, what I'm finding that my, ne- my, my niche, my niche or my niche, whatever you want to call it, is uh, somewhere between writing to inspire and rap music and sermons. It's, like, it's like my niche is Whoa, somewhere in what there. A Right. And so uh, that's why I, I'm just such a weirdo. But I, what I've been <laughs> writing recently, KK, and it, it's like a it's like brief kind of like spurts of of po- poetic sermonettes that rhyme. It's like this. It's like the, the marriage of, of all those three things. And so just for you and your listeners, I kind of want to just speak one for for you, if that's OK. Um, oh, please. I, that'd be so beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, these things, these things just surface into me and I'll just write them down. I'm like, dang, that's, that's dope. So here's one of them again, super brief, but it goes like this. Why do I feel like empathy just empties me? And I just repeat the casualties. I casually rethink the catastrophe, but all these casts aren't free, but I cast my cares on thee. And that's it. And it's like, whoa, okay. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. What does um do? Does it come to you all at the same time, or just like in lines or rhymes or words? Great question. Gosh, you're on fire, KK. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yes and no, right? So like, there's a there's another one that I'll do for you briefly. That that whole thing just came to me. Like it built, it built, and it just made sense. Whereas the one I just read to you, for example, and and these are all within the last forty eight hours, um, at random moments. Um, it came more, more split. like the question, why do I feel like empathy just empties me? That came to me first. And it really, like it ministered to me, like, wow, like Jesus, uh, I, I wrote a book. I read, I wish I wrote this. I read a book called the genius of Jesus by Aaron McManus. I really recommend that one too. Easy read. Um, but he, Aaron submits that the genius of Jesus, the man, not the God, but the man part of Jesus was empathy. Like that is his gift. That is his genius. And if we as followers of the man, Jesus and the God, Jesus, 
want to imitate him, we are to really grow in empathy. And so I think reading that book recently inspired that question because it, I really do feel drained after I practice the gift of empathy. And so out of that came the rest of it kind of sporadically. But here's the next and last one, and we can move on, that, that kind of came to me all together. It goes like this. Nobody really knows you, and do you really know? The many battles up ahead, and yet the way you've grown. All the rocks of insecurity and judgment you've seen flown, and yet even with a thousand rocks, not one your hands have thrown. So and that, that just came to me all together because it all goes together with rocks and judgment and anyway. So, no, oh, wow, that's so beautiful. It kind of reminds me of that story in the Bible when you know they were trying to stone a woman caught in adultery, and Jesus that's is like, it. John Jesus 8. is like, first one, whoever sins can or whoever's never sinned, throw the first stone, and everyone just left them on the ground because we were all sinners. That is exactly okay, KK. Pass the KK. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's exactly it. I, I was I was reminded of that story, and then it kind of again transitioned into this uh, this little whatever we call it piece. So peace, gorgeous, yeah. a gorgeous piece. Thank you for sure. You should write a poetry book. You should. Maybe I mean you know what? Like I, I'm just gonna keep on writing and kind of uh, like accumulating all of these pieces and then yeah like if god invites me to do that why not just release it yeah thank you oh yeah Mm -hmm. if it'll be (laughs) oh my goodness so you of course you know speaking and you're in ministry um you're it's evident that you have a very close relationship with god if you wouldn't mind just please like tell us about your walk with god and you know Mm. what your faith has you know what's the word you know, what your faith is like and living your life for Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So I think it's beautiful the way you're, you're even formulating these questions, KK, because it, it all goes together. I think firstly, uh, and, and you know some of my story, when, when I was 14, you know, being an unchurched kid, encountering God, and that whole story is for another time, but, you know, being somebody that had no framework for, for Jesus, but as a Dominican male who Spanish is still my first language, that that's, that's the language I prefer, um, you know, having this encounter with Jesus at a youth retreat that I was kind of, at a youth retreat that I was kind of forced to attend. I, I never, um, I never would have thought that I would have lived my life for, for a God, you know? And so when I had that encounter, I went all in KK. So really for the last golly, 15 years since I've been following Jesus, I've been all in. Like, I don't know how to be apathetic towards the things of God. I don't know how to be, you know, lukewarm because this is some of my personality anyway. I'm such an all in or all out person, you know, in my relationships with anybody, in my hobbies, even this is the way I am. And obviously the Bible teaches like we got to be all in or all out because God doesn't like Luke warm. And so my walk recently, you know, 15 years into this, here's some practices that I've adopted that could probably bless your listeners. You know, every other month, KK, I'm off of social media, cold turkey. Every other month. So if you're doing the math, wow, 12 months in a year, six months I'm on, six months I'm off. And I've just found for me, 
it works beautifully because man, if any of your listeners like want to grab a nugget or, or take a note, I, this was such a good thing that blessed me from my buddy, Pastor Mike Kelsey, um, up in uh, the Northeast. He said, um, we need to be, we don't need social media detoxes. We need social media declutters. And I think that's mm. so true because think about it. When, when you detox from, let's say alcohol, the hope of that is that you literally get it fully out of your system. That's that's what it means by definition. But then that you practice sobriety. Like if you start drinking kind of slowly, you are almost opening that door to addiction again. And so, so funny when, when people that I love and even students that I pass through, they say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be off for, you know, and, and they'll say like a long time and then I'll get back on. And I'm like, man, I, I just love that. That's your heart. But when you get back on, you got to really try to one ease into it. And then you got to determine what does it look like to get back on? Because before you know it, you're scrolling on TikTok all day and you're like, wait, no, I, I try to detox and now I'm cluttered again. So anyway, I found for me that being on for one month and then completely off for another, it's the perfect decluttering. It's like, I'm still present. I still know what's going on some, but I'm, I'm not addicted to it. I'm not a slave to it. Um, every month that I'm off, I feel like I'm growing so much and I'm reading so much. So case in point, I'm off this month. And I've been reading so much this month and I've been writing so much this month, just like those little pieces I share with you because I'm not scrolling. So that's not even, you know, the question, but it is a big part of. No, that's really, that's really wise because there was one time I found myself like it was spring break and I had gone to visit my sister whom I love and love visiting her. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was just like at her house, like helping her clean, which is so great. And I love and will always be willing to do. But yeah. on Instagram, everyone was at the rodeo or at the beach or skiing. Mm-hmm. And I was like getting serious, like, oh, I wish I was doing that. And so I was like, you know what? Like none of this for a week, because really it was like telling me, you know, I didn't want to be where I was and where I was was where I was. Like I couldn't be anywhere else. And so like I went the whole summer without it. And like you said about like being connected is I kind of felt disconnected being off of it for like three months, but also Mm -hmm. like it was really good because I didn't really have the craving for it. I wasn't wasting my time on it. And so I like how I've never heard that pattern before of like month on month off. That sounds like a really good balance of staying connected, but not controlled. Yeah. Ooh, get it girl. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. So anyway, so because of that, to answer your question succinctly, uh, that's where my walk with God is. I, I think I have uh, probably the best habits with my phone that, that I've ever had in my life. Um, and so that leads to a flourishing life, right? This deeply rooted, deeply formed life that I mentioned from the book that I read and this unhurried life. Me and my wife, we have two little boys now, which is crazy because when I met you, KK, I was literally a 21-year-old kid uh, that wasn't you even married so yet. Much- older like to me 21 is just like a year and a half away and like when you were 21 i was like man this guy's so old (laughs) (laughs) crazy right i didn't realize Uh, you were so young oh yeah oh yeah um and so and you know every everybody's story is different but for me right i got married at 22 which is young to get married and then i got i became a dad at 25 which is relatively young to become a parent and so yeah i think generally speaking by just like american standards christian or not yeah, I mean, I, I think I 
matured and journeyed through what we call, you know, the process of adulthood uh, rather quickly. And so, yeah. And then I have this beard that doesn't make me look any younger. Either, so um, anyway, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really grateful for where I'm at. And my wife and I are beginning to practice Sabbath and try to be cold turkey off of all things and not work one day a week. And, and that's been hard, but been good for us with God. So, yeah. And oh my word, you have such a beautiful family, like Marlene and your boys. You can just see like the presence of God in your family, mm. in your life, and how you'd like allow him to just lead you so beautifully. I just had mm. to say that because y'all are, y'all are gorgeous and so sweet and precious. Uh, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for telling us about your walk. I love how, you know, it's exemplified just throughout like every aspect of your life, which is something we should all strive for. We should all strive to be like Jesus who followed God in all his ways, which mm. is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, one question I did have for you, you mentioned how you found Jesus when you were 14, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. What a great point in your life to find him. But, you know, me personally, I was someone who grew up in the faith. And mm-hmm. sometimes I used to wonder, like, why people became Christians having not followed God for a while. Like in my head, it was kind of almost like an alien concept to me because the church and Jesus and the Bible was something I've known my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so as someone who met Jesus, um, you know, 14 years into being alive, what made you say yes to starting your relationship with God? Great question. Great question. So, you know, I, as someone who was kind of at a distance, at a distance from all things religion, you know, being in New York City, here's what's kind of cool about being a Christian there, even though it's very difficult. You are weird if you're a Christian there. Whereas I think in certain parts of America, including, you know, kind of like the Bible Belt South, there's a there's an expectation, right? A tradition to be a Christian or at least go to church. Like that's kind of in the family rhythm, kind of like what you were saying. And so for me, I I knew as I began my discipleship to Jesus that the cost was obvious. Like I'm not going to fit in in most spaces because nobody around me is a Christian. My own family, KK, wasn't following Jesus. And so um, I, I'll, I'll answer your question and then I'll kind of wrap that thought up. So what made me say yes to a relationship with Jesus was there was this guy that I met on the streets of New York. It was summer of 2008, which how old were you, KK, in 2008? I was five. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was five years old. <laughs> so summer of 2008, I'm 13, about to turn 14. And I'm walking around the neighborhood, you know, Washington Heights, for those that don't know. I mean, you could Google Washington Heights. You can watch that movie that came out that is kind of a musical. It is so accurate in so many ways to the way I grew up in the Heights. I mean, the summers are just like the fire hydrant waters bursting and people are getting wet under there. You know, everybody's dancing all the time. Like, it's just awesome. And so I'm in that kind of vibe. I'm 13. I don't go to church. I don't have a framework for, you know, Christian dating or courting. So I'm out with my buddy. We're looking for girls to ask out and dance with and the whole thing. And um, there was this one dude who was standing by uh, the, the, a mailbox there in front of a theater 
where there's always like these secular parties happening and secular concerts. So me and my buddy walk over there looking for a good time. And long story short, this, this gentleman who had to be in his 30s at the time, he asks us if we were interested, like coming to church. And he basically says that in that theater, they were having church. So I'm just like, what? Like really confused, but also kind of interested because young people that looked normal were coming out of the theater. And again, this theater usually has concerts and parties. So my whole paradigm of church was just kind of turned on its head. I'm like, I'm kind of interested. Like all these young people are coming out. You seem normal. This dude had like a, a, a hat backwards and like a tank top. And he was so jacked and had tattoos. I'm like, all right. Like, you sure you're a church guy? Like, this is kind of cool and weird and bizarre. <laughs> anyway, so he he pursued me, KK, that whole summer. I mean, called me every week to come to church. I kept kind of saying no and ignoring him. And finally, at the end of summer, I'm like, dude, I'll come to church if you stop like annoying me. And he's like, yeah, I'll stop. So thank, thankfully for his persistence, I, I came and I haven't been the same since. So that really that really sparked a, a interest in pursuing the things of God. And that's what got me to church. But what kind of kept me in relationship with God, KK, there at the beginning was the simple fact that, you know, my dad, my earthly dad passed away when I was two years old. And so really throughout my youth, without being religious, I did wonder, right? Like we all do. I don't know if all your listeners follow God and hopefully some of them are just interested in God if they don't and, and they're willing and open. But as somebody who didn't know God, I was I was curious, where's my dad? If my dad died and if heaven is real and hell is real and the afterlife is real, then where is he? And if it's not real, then what happens? I mean, I was just filled with wonder and curiosity. And so really, I started praying the first time in my life about that. In church, when the pastor would say to pray, I'll pray about that. Like, where's my dad? If you're real, tell me where my dad is. Is he with you in heaven? Are you with him in heaven? Are you... And so that really propelled me as somebody, like you said, who didn't grow up in church to, to pursue the things of God. So, so, so simply put, for, for people, if you're listening and you're a young person that you're just open about God, well, be curious. Start asking God questions. Start challenging Him. Trust me, He can handle it. Start sharing your, your doubts with God. Trust me, He can handle it. And just see what happens. Because what happened with me as I was challenging God and I was angry, God met me with the love of a father and never the same since. Wow, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So we've mentioned a lot about your growing up and you are from Washington Heights in New York. <laughs> that's right. Tell us Tell us about your experience, well, about saying yes to God and moving to Texas from New York at only 21. Because um, that's crazy, like a huge culture shift. Like, what was your deciding factor? And yeah. Girl, yes. So <laughs> just so you know, so your listeners know, if you've never been to New York City, and, and, I, and I don't mean just been for like three days and saw all the tourists, I mean like you know, call it a mission trip, call it what you want, call it maybe you go to university there, but truly try to live as a local for at least six weeks. Unless you've had that experience and lived in Texas for six weeks, you just don't know what I've been through. Like, like it is crazy. 
the, <laughs> the drastic difference. I mean, KK, you feel like you're in a different country. Truly, truly. You feel so, I mean, just the pace of New York is so fast. Hence, like my new discipline of coming down to the South and slowing down. But I had to go to, I didn't have to, but the, the hills, the church I work at was very kind. And we have somebody that attends this church that literally uh, specializes in like psychiatric care for uh, missionaries coming off the field and like kind of re-entering the States and re-entering the rhythm of America and just the Western world in general. And the, the hill said, hey, you should go see her. <laughs> like that's how bad it was. So I oh went to goodness. see her and she really did a beautiful job of explaining to me, and I'll, I'll give y'all this nugget for free because it's so good. She was basically like, so she, she she drew two circles, like one on the left and one on the right. And then within those circles, she drew kind of like a smaller circle, almost a dot. And <clears throat> on the left side, it was Texas. And the right side was New York. Both circles are the same size. And even the circles in the middle are the same size. So I'm like, what are, what are you what are you doing? She began to draw arrows like within on, on the Texas one that, that penetrates that outer circle very easily. And she began to explain that that big circle on both sides, it, it just means or it symbolizes how how warm people can be, how much access you have to the surface of people in these states. So for Texas, the arrows went right through that outer circle, which you know, Texas, bless your heart, Southern hospitality, (laughs) we love you, you know, we'll serve you, good Samaritans, blase, blase, blah. And so that made sense. I'm like, yes, like, I agree. Like, I feel like people here where I live now, they're very warm, very welcoming. Then she went to the New York circle and she said, like she kind of drew an arrow that was like breaking as she drew it and said, it is so much harder to enter, you know, even the, the sphere of, of being known relationally by New Yorkers, which is so true because in New York, KK, you know, there are so, I mean, 8 million people just in, in that small city, 8 million. And so the people that you see, you don't really see them as, Hey, that's my neighbor. Bless your heart. You know, we share a garage or we share a, a, a cul-de-sac. You kind of see them as, this is my competition. Like there's only so many jobs and so many apartments and there's 8 million of us. And so just by, just by sheer number ratio and that scarcity mentality uh, in New York, you, you don't have that much warmth. You don't have that like, Ooh, like I'm caring for you, which if I may for a second, when you're a Christian that's all in for the one thing that's Jesus, in New York City, you stand out like a sore thumb and people are like, wow, they're drawn to you, which we'll get to kind of how I leverage that in my ministry in New York later, uh, if you want, KK. But but to finish this little example, um, then she went to the, the inner circle and she said, in Texas, Although you could get through that big circle, that like surface relationship really fast and you kind of think you know people, that inner circle, it's almost impenetrable, generally speaking, in the Texas culture. Why? Because it is important in this culture to make sure you always present well. You never want to look broke, busted, or disgusted the way we say in New York. You never want to, you never want to appear 
uh, in need. You never want to appear like uh, you don't have it all together. And so there's this like kind of shell, right? That generally speaking, unless you know Jesus and are authentic, that people in this culture could put up towards God, towards each other, and even towards themselves. Whereas in New York, KK, it's hard to penetrate that outer circle and you feel like, wow, nobody, you know, people in New York are mean, nobody likes me. But but once you get in, KK, you're in. I mean, you see people for who they are. Like once you're in your family, that there's no hiding, there's no pretending. It's like, here's all of me. And so I, I hope that all made sense because this explains the culture shock, KK, that you were presenting to the listeners that that I experienced as somebody that's from the New York world and doing ministry there and loving those people there, entering the Texas world, doing ministry here and loving people here, I realized, wow, my assignment is different. In New York, I got to just be like Christ and really serve and really show people that there's a better way. And and they'll see like, wow, you're different. I, I want that. And they'll kind of go all in with me. Whereas in Texas... Everybody knows about Jesus. So my assignment was to truly be authentically me. I wanted to let people into the good, bad, and ugly and set the example to say, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You don't have to pretend like you have it all together because there's only one that did and there's only one that does. And so my assignment in Texas is not to get people to the church, it's to get people to be the church in the world. Wow, that's so amazing that like each like culture, each person can you know present certain ways or feel or re- mm-hmm. recept, receive mm-hmm. like information differently mm. or um conversation and relation differently, but even still like Jesus can work in both of those paradigms of yes. the world. Yes. That's mm. amazing. That's Come amazing. On. And New York, it's so, it seems so like far away. I mean, it is geographically, but also culturally. Like, how do you, being in Fort Worth, like tend to relationships back home while also being present in relationships where you are right now? Oh, such a good question. Yeah, it's hard, you know. And when I first moved here, I, I felt so much guilt for for, you know, quote unquote, leaving or abandoning, right? The people that, number one, my family and friends, right? The people that I love, but then the people that I kind of hinted to that I was discipling, right? The people that had no framework for Jesus or or the gospel. And I and, and my now wife, who was just like my good friend and like ministry partner at the time, um, we, introduced them to, we introduced them to Jesus and and then I left. And so they're like, you know, what do I do? But I had to remind myself, like, one, uh, there is one Savior and I'm not Him, <laughs> you know? So I I need to do my best to point people to where the bread is because, like, my, my buddy Andy Minio, who's a Christian rapper, he says, I'm just another beggar pointing y'all to where the bread is. Like, I'm not the Savior. I'm not a Pharisee. Like, I'm not, I'm literally the woman with the issue of blood trying to fight through the crowd to get to Jesus. And if I could just tug on his robe, I believe that I'll be healed. And so, you know, I, um, that was my first discipline is to realize while I did help people know Jesus and help people grow in practices that are formative to the Christian life, 
you know, I when I left, I plugged them all into the local church, even some buddies that were there that I think are, are good spiritual mentors and leaders, you know, but whether they continue or not, I, you know, it, it's Paul writing to churches after he's left them and saying, you know, I pray for you that you have strength in the inner man to, to continue to follow God. Like, I, I feel that way. Gosh, I'm nowhere near as holy as Paul. He's incredible. But in, in a very, very small way, I feel the struggle between, yeah, I can't be two places at once, but I love you back home. You're my people. I try to see them twice a year with my family. Um, but yeah, it's hard, KK. And so because I'm the kind of guy, I'm present where my feet are. I try to be that way. And that's with being on my phone or not being on my phone. And then that's with ministry. So right now I'm in Texas and this is where I'm present. I'm, tr- I'm trying to love, lead, um, and, and um, steward my assignment and the people that I have here as best as I can. And then, you know, maybe a weekly FaceTime with people back home. So, Man, that's so encouraging because yeah. I really relate to what you said about not being able to like, like, you're right. We aren't just, we aren't the saviors. We are, you know, just trying to point people to him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing that God has given us the ability to love so well that it's so hard to not be with the people that we love. Mm. And um, it's so great though, that we do have like modern technologies like FaceTime, like planes that we can just hop on and go see people um, that we're blessed with the ability to still stay connected um, while also being present, which is so great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So great. Um, you have had such an amazing like story, truly very inspiring to me. And hopefully, I mean, I'm sure it is very inspiring to our listeners. Um, in all your journeys of, you know, meeting God and being a pastor, coming to Texas, you know, raising your family, where have you seen God work the most in your life? Mm. Wow, great question. Golly. I wonder even if your listeners, I don't know how often you ask this question to your guest, KK, but I, I really hope even your listeners are, are asking themselves that because it's a great question. It, it's, it's an introspective take inventory of who I am and who God has been in my life question. So thanks for asking it. You know, um, I don't know if I can quantify where I've seen him work most, but certainly one of the many areas, because golly, like I said, I'm all in. So uh, I, I've give I've given Jesus, you know, my eyes, the things that I see, the things that I spend my time looking at, um, things that I read, right, and consume. You know, the you know, the eyes are the windows to the soul, right? Um, and and I, I give him what I listen to. I give him all the things, and so I think the biggest work of God that I've seen for me, I kind of alluded to already earlier, is my word trying to not just listen to others, KK, better, but also put myself in a position to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. All throughout Scripture, but specifically in the Gospels. I love the Gospel of John. I think the Gospel of John probably does the the clearest and the most concise job of explaining this. I am the Good Shepherd, and my sheep know my voice. And so I've seen God work so much, KK, in quieting my mind. And you know this, this is an anxious generation, is an anxious time. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Rick, recently in his sermon, 
uh, which is incredible. If your listeners have, have the opportunity, we're in a sermon series called Soulful. And it's all about how to fill up your soul with the things that matter and empty it with the things that are trash. Anyway, in a sermon recently, uh, he said that uh, we as a people, we are undernourished and over anxious. And it is so true. We are overly consumed. We're overwhelmed by information. We're inundated where, uh, with th- this word, uh, permacrisis. This was the word of the year last year in 2022. Because if you think about it, permacrisis by definition basically means um, th- there's constantly a crisis. It, it's a regularity in our rhythm. If it's not something stateside, it's something around the world. If it's not an injustice, it's something, that it's, a, it's a war, right? It's, it's Ukraine and Russia. It's, you know, something with police. It's racial um, unrest. It's pol- politics. It's, and, and because of being so, quote, connected, um, you know, we're just filled with that. So anyway, I, I could preach on that. My point is, in my discipline to set good boundaries and really watch what I consume, I've realized, KK, God has been speaking to me my whole life. I've just haven't been listening. I've been a sheep because think about it. It's, it's on purpose that God through Jesus refers to us as his followers, as sheep. I don't know about you and your listeners, but I would have much been, uh, I would have much preferred to, to be paralleled with like a lion or like another like animal that's powerful and, and capable but we are on purpose paralleled and, and symbolically aligned with sheep because sheep are nothing without their shepherd, KK. Think about mm. it. Sh- sheep are vulnerable. They, they literally, uh, in their, on their body, they, they, they have no defense mechanism. They, 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 they run slow, if at all. They, they have nothing that's a weapon that they can use. They don't have sharp teeth or, or sharp claws. They, they're defenseless defenseless to the attack of any oppressor of any predator but interestingly even though sheep are common prey for a lot of predators if i may do a little sermon pastoral moment we please do we we as sheep that are prey to the evil one we are to pray to the good shepherd to be protected from the evil one. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful yet simple wordplay on, you know, the, the enemy, like the scripture teaches, is out there like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. But yet we as the sheep of the good shepherd, our good shepherd is not just that. He is also the lion of the tribe of Judah and his roar is louder than the roar of the enemy. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Fire. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And so, yeah, you know, I, for me, again, listening to God, listening to Holy Spirit, just, just surfacing scripture in me, surfacing promises in me. I remember again, that the work of God in me is quiet your mind. Why do, why do we think that one of the most popular verses, be still and know, it's, it's obvious. Still your mind, still your heart, still, still your schedule, right? Your outer world and your inner world. 
And just for a second, knowledge comes from familiarity, familiarity and knowledge comes from experience. God wants us to experience him, experience the good shepherd. And once you're still in his presence, then you know him. And if you know him, then you know, what's the rest of that verse? Verse, be still and know that I am God. And once you know that he is God, you know that God is bigger than your circumstance. You know that God is bigger than what you're going through. And so just, just a beautiful verse to remind us, okay, maybe your listeners, KK, just need to take a moment even today when they listen to this or even this week and just really like even set a timer. If you're a really busy young adult, if you're a really busy person, be intentional. Take a time, set 10 minutes, do it in your car, set a little timer and just no music, no nothing. I don't care if people look at you and they think you're weird. Who cares? You're in front of the one. And just quiet your mind. And, oh, you're an overthinker, but just say, uh-uh. God, I give you my thoughts. God, I give you my mind. God, would you sit on the throne of my heart and mind right now? And that any thoughts I think may, they, may bring you praise. And may, may you hold thoughts captive that aren't from you. The scriptures teaches us that too. And just for 10 minutes, we just... Even quiet your mind, practice breathing, and just see what happens. Because for me, not just as a pastor, forget about that, but as a human, I've seen in my own life the way God has worked in me, transformed me, and reminded me that He listens. We, I mean, excuse me, He, he, he does listen, but He also speaks to us, His sheep. Uh, but, but we just gotta, we gotta practice listening. Mm, that's so good because. You know, if he's the shepherd that we're trying to follow, how can we follow him if we can't hear or won't hear what he's trying to say to us? Mm. It's so good. That's God it. speaks, Emmanuel listens. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Thank mm. you for your wisdom because, like you said, even I know New York is fast, but even here, just anywhere, I think, in the Western culture of just going and going and like productivity equals success to most people in the world Mm. and so it's like okay like y'all slow down it's okay to take a breath and just be in the presence of god and experience the moments that we were made to experience and saying like if we're doing it's not like one-way relationship with god like he's given us the bible for a reason he's instilled us with the holy spirit for Mm. a reason so that not only can you know we pray to him and give him our cares and our burdens and our hopes and you know thanks but also like him speaking in our life and he has beautiful things that he wants to say and mm. lead us in mm. yes good that's it so mm-hmm. beautiful that's it that's all we need to say podcast ends right now man is <laughs> <laughs> a pastor and he preaches so well <laughs> mm. Sweet, but, amazing. oh my goodness in all your like sage and your wisdom and you know your relationship with God, with all that, what is your favorite or most applicable Bible verse that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, yeah. I, this is a, a quick response from me. I when I was early in my discipleship, you know, I was that kid. Just so your listeners could giggle with this one, I was that kid because I didn't have any Christian paradigm. I referred to that beautiful poetic book in the Bible as Psalms because I didn't know that the P was silent. <laughs> um, I, I was that kid that 
read that incredibly wise, um, depending on, you know, what you believe about this book, uh, this satire or the, this true account of what happened. Either way, I referred to it as the book of Job and not Job, because, oh, again, I, just, I didn't have a framework for, you know, Christianese and, and, and context for you know, the scholarship of, of the Christian scriptures. So uh, early on in my discipleship, I, I really was, you know, encouraged to stay in the New Testament a little bit more because it'll be less confusing for me with my framework. And so I, I did. And I remember one day, I mean, I'm, I'm like 14, early, early on in my Christian life. And I just kind of did the holy flip, which is just turn turn the book, uh, turn the, the Bible open and just see see where you go. And, excuse me, I remember I flipped it open and I went to 1 Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians, and I read chapter 2, and I will never forget 1 Corinthians 2, 2. This is my favorite verse of my life, 15 years in now. Paul says this to the church in Corinth. He says, depending on your translation, For I have determined to know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. Not a huge popular verse, right? It's not a John three sixteen, but for me, uh, it's it's carried me. It's it's it reminds me as somebody who again has ambition and feel feels called to so many things. Uh, this verse it centers me. It anchors me again to determine right one thing to to long for one thing, uh, and it's, and it's to know Him. You know Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to live for it. I can live from it. And so that, that, that's it. That's my favorite verse. And I hope it, I hope it blessed you guys. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love how you like, how it's a verse, like you said, it's not a, a well-known verse. It's not a famous verse, mm-hmm. but that it's one that still has so much meaning and weight and beauty. And like, that's how it is throughout the whole Bible of not just like the highlighted verses that you hear quoted, like Philippians 4.13, John 3.16, which are Mm -hmm. amazing, good, wise verses. I mean, there's a reason they're so well known, but just that like the whole Bible, every small detail is so intricately crafted that it can speak to people in such profound ways like that. Yes, that's it. That's good. Oh my goodness. Mm. So good. You have so much wisdom and advice, mate. I could talk to you all day. I mean, mm-hmm. you'll probably be back on another episode because I love just hearing what you have to say about the Lord. Mm. Um, but my final thing I would love to ask you, and you've already given us so much good nuggets of wisdom, is what do you have to say for the one listening? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So this is a part of Uh, what I'm practicing for the listeners that can't see me right now. I'm listening. I'm trying, right, to put myself in a position to listen to Holy Spirit in me on your behalf, listener, as opposed to, right, just using words that I love to just throw at you. My inner dialogue right now is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? What should I communicate on your behalf to this person listening on this day, in this moment? Hmm. Yeah. And even now, as as we share silence, I hope it's not awkward for you. (laughs) It may be at first, but 
This is the work, right, of quieting your mind, of being still. This is what it looks like. It's uncomfortable at first, but then you grow to love it and expect God to speak. Hmm. Okay, here's what I sense, and thank you for being quiet with me, listener, and for putting yourself in a position to be open. Uh, This is for you today. I think God wants you to know that you're not a mistake, that um, that God sees your efforts. Hmm. Yeah, that the things that you do when no one else is watching, God sees it. Yeah, and and there's grace for the things that that you do that you regret that nobody else knows about. But there's also there's also beauty in the things that you do well that you do to serve others that no one else sees that God sees, that He's pleased with, and that He's proud of you for. And so you can't escape the gaze of God. And so this is for you today. Don't try to. Hear me. Stop trying to escape the gaze of God because you can't outrun it. I pray that God's love for you would push harder than your resistance of Him. (laughs) And maybe this is for somebody that you know. And even as I speak this over you, you're like, wow, this was for me, but also for this one, for this one, for this one in my life. We'll go ahead and share this with them too. I bless you today in the name of Jesus to have the boldness, yeah, to give to God what's His. All the things, the good, bad, and ugly, He sees it. So turn to Him today deeply. And say, God, I'm yours. And just watch what happens. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Praise God. Like, thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us those words through Manny and mm-hmm. the gift of just being able to be still and listen. Mm-hmm. Y'all, you heard it here on the For the One podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening, y'all. All the book recommendations, the artist recommendations, the Mm -hmm. Hills Church, those sermon recommendations, y'all, they will be linked in the show notes below. Go ahead, click on them just to learn more about what we've talked with today. And y'all, for the one listening, Jesus loves you. God bless. y'all thanks again for listening to the for the one podcast remember to follow along on our instagram at for the one podcast underscore and go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on your listening platform feel free to leave comments as i'd love to hear what you have to say thanks again for listening peace out